So it's an important passage, and we have to uh, take uh, heed of it. Um, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time, and we thank you for um, bringing us together, and then we can share together, and we have, can have communion. And, and we thank you for inviting us to this feast, the feast of your word. Help us to eat your word and help us to be full and to be full of your word and um, willing to do what you want us to do. In Jesus' name I pray all this. Amen. You know, everyone prays in, in critical situations, like in the 911, you can see a lot of people on the street there saying, Oh my God, oh my God. Everyone prays, no matter you are English, Chinese. We call Chinese, we say, oh my heaven, is the same. We all pray. And actually, in our critical situation, it tells us who we really are. In our core, we, lead, we are religious human beings. And our soul sense our limitation. But often our mind suppress this. Romans says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the goodness and wickedness of man who suppress the truth by their wickedness. We often suppress that we have the need for God. There's a famous theologian, C.S. Lewis, has once said that he, he, he told us a story that if you want to check whether in your basement there are rats, you don't go to your basement and then lock. You surprise them. You just open the door quietly and then sneak down and turn on the lights and see where the rats are. What he's trying to tell us is is if we are in surprising, critical situation, then we know who we really are. We know our deepest need. So when we face difficulties, when we say, see calamities, during those moments, we can understand more about ourselves. It's only through those circumstances we know that our deepest need is God. So that's why we pray. But how is God related to you? This is a big question. Today I want to uh, share with you three attitudes of prayer. And these attitudes are related to how we will God. Paul verse 1, chapter 28 says, uh, so verse 21 says, You call me and I will not answer, because you hated knowledge, you hated wisdom. So here it says that one of the reasons why God doesn't answer our prayer is that we hate wisdom, we hate knowledge. We think that we are okay, we think that the way that we pray is okay. We think that we are, the, the way that we are being Christian is okay. But when you see you have so many prayers that God didn't answer you, when you find it's so hard for you to pray, and when you find that you don't want to pray and you don't want to go to prayer meetings, hmm, 
there's something wrong with you. There's something you've got to learn. So uh, let's look at today's passage and we will uh, look at one aspect about boldness and passionate in coming to God. So we have these three signs, passionate, bold, and earnest. We'll talk about this in this story. But before that, I'll, I'll tell you, we human beings have three types of relationships with God. The first one is that we think that we are the boss, and God is our employee. The second one is we are the employee, and God is the boss. And the third relationship is that we are God's child, and God is our father. And I will show you how this thinking affects our, our, our prayers. So the first type of relationship, you as the boss and God as your employee. You as the master and God is your servant. We know the, all know the story of Persian story of uh, Aladdin. Aladdin? Um, Persian story. That uh, you have a genie and you have a lamb, and when you rob the lamb, the genie comes out. This is a Persian story, but it may often happen to us Christians. We Christianize that. We call ourselves Christians, but we're still living self-centered lives. Me is the most important thing, and God is someone who helped achieve my goal. Prayer is just a means to achieve my end. So we live in such a postmodern world, and if you go to the bookshop, what you find, every book is talk about, talking about self-achievement, how to achieve my goals, how to be successful in our lives, how to be Muslim, how to be uh, more beautiful, how to achieve our dreams. And uh, I know many of you are studying in the uni. How, how many of you? Right. And if you study the humanity subjects like uh, psychology or human behavior, you will come across a person called Maslow. Have you heard of him? Maslow has a theory about our needs called the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That you, in order to satisfy one need, you have to satisfy another need first some basic needs first, and then you go to another step, another type of need, and then another. So according to his theory, the bottom uh, layer of your need is food and shelter. And then you have one more layer, and then at the apex of the pyramid, the top is self-actualization. So that means ultimately, what yourself wants to do is you want to be yourself. That's his theory. But this is not uh, what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches our basic need is not only food and shelter, also the Word of God. Man does not live by food alone, but also by the Word of God. And then at the top, the Bible tells us the, the apex. It's not self-actualization. It is to rely on God. It is to not becoming whom you want, uh, whom you want to be, but becoming 
what God wants you to be. So there's a difference here. You, when you want to focus yourself, you think about yourself, you discover about yourself, you promote about yourself. But you, if you want to become what God wants you to be, you focus on God. You focus on what God has done in your life. And you concern on the will of God in your life. So when you focus on God, you make yourself. You feel, when you focus on yourself, you make God your servant. And you, when you focus on God, you make yourself a servant. So these are two different kinds of response to to our need, and this flows through to our prayers. A self-centered person will treat God as the genie, and will seek Him only when He is needed. But put him back to the lamp when he is not needed. A self-centered person is like this. So, how are you treating God? Is he your genie? Is he some someone you exploit to achieve your selfish needs? If this is your thinking, then you can you, we can tell from the fact that you always get annoyed. When God didn't answer your prayer the way you want it, want Him to answer it, you will find prayer as only a way to satisfy your need, and you will come to Him only when you feel desperate. When you are lazy and you don't want to take responsibility, you pray to God. Selfish prayer, you will pray, "Give me my day, my food, my daily bread." You will not pray that. Give us today our daily bread. You do not pray for other people. You do not pray for the kingdom of God, and you do not pray for God's righteousness coming to this world. And do not you do not come pray that God's will to be done. You see how we view God directly affects our prayer. So we have just seen the first attitude of you being the boss and God being your. Employee. So now let's look at another will of God that you treat God as our boss, and you are His employee. That this seems well and this seems good to many of us here, but this is not true Christianity. This is a form of religion, which you think that you can win favor of God because you have worked for it. You tell God, "Listen to me, because I have worked for it." But not God, listen to me, because Christ has worked for it, and now I belong to you. Your prayer will become formal. You will not continue praying. Your prayer will be intermittent. You become too afraid to come to God, and in your mind, God is your boss, and you are His employee. Only when you have done your part, then you God will accept you. Or you come to Him and say, "Because I have been good, you have to answer my prayer." It is somewhat like、um, the way that you deal with your boss. Sometimes, if there are some any employee there, you know, sometimes you don't want to come to your boss so often. You only want to come to him when you are good, when you have done your part, 
maybe you don't want to leave your office. Uh, you just uh, mingle and uh, sneak away from the office without letting your boss know because you're afraid that your boss will call you and come back to work. So sometimes we, we feel this kind of uh, reluctance to face our boss because we think that we are not good enough. So you go to your boss only when it's desperate, when, when, you need, when you need to. So in the same way, if you think that God is your boss, you only come to him when you are desperate. If this is your religion, you are in dangerous ground. It is not personality. Personality is not that I make myself committed to God and then I'm going to, to do good things for him and then he will bless me. No, this is not real Christianity. Christianity is not about whether you're good or bad. In fact, no one is good except from God. So it is about His goodness. It is about what Christ has done for us and we, that He came and lived a perfect life on earth and he died to pay the penalty for our imperfect lives. So, this brings us into the third will of God, our third attitude of prayer. And that is to treat God as our Father, we as his children. Now, being God's children doesn't mean that um, we should never fear God. It doesn't mean that doesn't mean that we come to him without reference. Just like remember Moses when he came to God. He came to God's presence. God told him to take off his clothes, his, his shoes. For you are standing on holy ground. But it doesn't mean that coming to him without asking him anything. Look at Abraham. Abraham, he negotiated with God. In Genesis chapter 18, he negotiated with God with reference. He honored God and he said, You are the judge of all the earth. I am but dust and ashes. And he asked God not to be angry. He was praying for the city of Sodom. And then he was asking God if there are any if there are only 40 people there are righteous people in the city of Sodom will you destroy the city? how about 30? when he prayed that he said he, he, he told God not to be angry let me speak see how bold Abraham is he, 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 he feared God but he still come to him uh, this is a struggle here. Some people, of, some of you may, may stay away from God because you think that you are so sinful and you do not want to come to Him. If that's the case, I would like to draw your attention to a story in the, a thing that's happened in uh, the Gospel of Luke about Peter. Peter was um, fishing and then Jesus asked him to fish, uh, to drop down the net, and then he got a lot of fish. 
And then we can see one response of Peter that's very strange. What he did was, he said, I am a sinful man. Depart from me. He told that to Jesus. But you know, when, when he said that, what did he do? He felt at Jesus' feet. He just fell on him. He didn't go away and fear God and jump into the water. He actually come to him with his sins, with his um, dirtiness, with his struggle. And this represents the struggle that we all face as Christians. On the one hand, we are sinful. On the other hand, because of Christ, we have access to God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, Let us then approach to the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. But if we afraid God, if we avoid God, if we think that we are not good enough to pray to Him, we are having the second attitude that we have seen. So, you see, the picture of God as our Father and we as His children appears predominantly in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we don't see it quite often. God didn't call individuals as sons. He just called, called them as His people. But in the New Testament, God called His people His children. So why is this difference? Why? Why? Because of the work of Jesus Christ. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, we can come to Him boldly. John, uh, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 18 says, Those who believe in Him, He will give us authority to become His children. So this is the first attitude when we come to prayer. Knowing that God's, we are God's children. And then it will make us pray differently. We will not think that God is our servant. We will not only think that we are God's employee. We will become more reliant on Him. We will come to Him more often. We will come to Him whenever we want to. We will come to Him whenever we feel God wants us to. So we won't have a feeling of disturbing God. We won't have a feeling of bothering God. You don't come to Him mainly because that you have a problem. You come to Him even when you are bad, when you are dirty. You will not treat God as a genie and look for Him only to satisfy your need. You come to Him when you are busy and you respond to His call. You come to Him not because He wants you, but also because He wants you. You come to Him when you are hurt, when you are lost, when you are feeling exhausted. I remember when I was young, there was a time I had a very intimate relationship with my father. Once I hurt my finger, and I don't know how to put bandage on my finger, my, I came to 
bedside, and my father did it for me. That represents the most intimate moment with my father. It's not when I am good. It's when I am hurt. When I am bad, I come to him. And then, this is a wonderful experience I always remember. And I always come to him whenever I feel I, I hurt here and there, and then he will uh, get, put the bandage on me. So, once we fix our relationship with God, we, once we put total trust in Jesus, we can be bold, we can be earnest, and we can be passionate. Because our relationship with God is a father and son relationship. That's the relationship that God desires us to have with Him. He wants us to inscribe into our hearts that we are God's children. God is our Father. We are His children. This is an unconditional acceptance in order for you to become part of God's family. It does not depend how good you are, how well you are doing in your life. You are adopted as God's children and He has unconditionally accepted us. So we have the privilege of getting into the presence of our Father. Um, maybe we can look at the passage. The passage that we have seen today in verse 13, Jesus was saying to His disciples, You are evil. You are evil. But still, He still encouraged us to come to Him boldly. We are evil, but we are still considered to be His kid because of what Christ has done. We are adopted to become His children. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you died, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. We are His adopted son. So we can we can have special access to God. So in our office, we have um, different office staff. We have PAs, uh, personal assistant. We have uh, administrator. We have different pastors. We have an agreement about with ourselves. When we are having day off, when we are after office hour, we don't call one another. We, at most, we can text if there's an important thing. We respect each other's privacy. So you guess, who can get access to our most esteemed senior pastor? Who can get access to him? Who can ask our senior pastor a glass of water in the middle of the night? I think not even Rhonda. When Rhonda asked her, asked him, he will say, what's wrong with you? Honey, <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> not even pastors of the church, not even Pastor David Hicks, not, not, not even me. But the only person who can ask is his kid or his grandchildren. I would guess if Violet came to your door and then locked, you will certainly open the door and give her whatever she wants, right? So because that's Violet is his grandkid, 
and he is his grand, her grandfather. So uh, if we look at verse 8 of the passage, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's bonus, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. We are talking about a story um, situation in Palestine where the house there is um, um, just a, usually the, the, just a small room and then the master usually sleep inside the house and then all the children just sleep close to the door. And then when, the, when there's someone who locked the door, the master will come out and then he will uh, go between the children who sleep on the floor, maybe usually. So, so they will disturb the children. So this is something the master doesn't want to do. But only when the situation that we are seeing in the passage, someone in the middle of the night, they come, they knock the door. And then the passage says, because of this person's bonus, the master will come out to open the door for him. Not because he's his friend, because purely because of his attitude, because of how passionate that person is in asking. I remember when I was in Hong Kong, I, I attend a course, a self-improvement course, and there was a special training to train us to be bold, to be brave, to be passionate. And then we have an exercise. Uh, you know, in Hong Kong, the taxi is not like here. We call them and then we book them and then they come. In Hong Kong, the taxi runs everywhere. <laughs> here and there, you just stretch out your hand, it will stop in front of you. It's like that. And then we have a strange exercise. We were not given any money. We were told to beg, ask, say, whatever you do, just make the driver to drive you to have a free ride to a place far, far away. Oh, that's challenging. And then I remember I did that exercise together with a team of people. And I popped in the, the taxi and then I urge. I thought it was difficult. I, I thought it was something that is really hard. And, and I, but I did that. I urged him. I passionately, boldly asked him. We want to go to have a voluntary function. We are helping an elderly, uh, group of elderly people. They, which is true. I'm not telling lies. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I asked him and persuade him for him to do that. And then he just agreed. I was surprised so easily. First one I asked. I thought I have to ask many, many people. And then he did. And he, we have a free ride for an hour. And then to cross the harbor, you know, very far, far away. And, and then the driver was very happy that he helped us. And then I thought it's only happening to our team. No, other teams also have this experience. So what does this tell us? It tells us that when we are passionate, when we are bold, when we are earnest, we usually get what we want. So this is what the passage is telling us. Not only because that he's a friend, 
that He will open the door for him. It's because that He is so passionate that He can get what He wants. Now, but the story doesn't end there. The story then tells us about a story of children asking his father something. So you you think in this way. The logic is that if you are so passionate, so bold, so earnest, you can get what you want. What if you are his friend? He will definitely open the door for you, right? Now, but if we look at ourselves, we are not only his friend. We are not only God's friend. In some way, we are greater than Abraham. Abraham, in Isaiah uh, chapter 14, 41, says, Abraham is God's friend. But we are not God's friend only. We are his children. So the argument is, if his friend, God will still open, answer Abraham, that negotiation, remember, from 45, 50 to, to 10, how much more will he answer us as his children? So the problem is whether we are his children. Are you his children? That's the most important question we have to ask ourselves. And then in verse 9 it says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Look and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks will receive. Who, he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. You see here, people say, see this uh, verse, they will have a query. Oh, I asked but I didn't. But I didn't get what I, um, didn't get what I want. This, this is not true. But if you look at the Greek original language, all the words here, ask, seek, knock, they are all in present tense. It's a continued action. When you continue to ask, when you continue to knock, when you continue to seek, God will open the door for you. The passage is asking you to come to God, bother Him, bother God. This is something that we need to do. But the passage doesn't end up there. <clears throat> the passage went on to say that what we receive from God is more than good things. It says that when we come to Him and ask these things, God will give us the Holy Spirit. God will give us something that is better than we ask for. When you ask for one banana, God will give you 92. When a child asks for bread, the father won't give him the stone. What does it mean? When a child asks for fish, the father won't give him snake. When a child asks for eggs, the father won't give him scorpions. The idea is, what we ask God, God may not exactly give us what we want, but He would give us better. He will not give us things that will harm us. He will give us things that are really good for us. He will not only give us things that look like they are good for us. Stone look like bread. 
but it's not edible. You know, in the Palestine, they have some kind of fish called catfish. You know what's catfish? They look like snake. And you see a lot of that in the Lake of Galilee. I have been to the Lake of Galilee and they jump all around over the lake because Jews, they don't eat catfish. But they look like snake. And then what Jesus says here is, God will not give you the snake. He will give you when you ask for fish, he will not give you a snake. He will really give you something that is good for you. You know, if for Chinese, we think snake is better than fish sometimes. Why? Because we eat snake in Hong Kong. We think that snake are delicious, good for our health. So, but let's go back to the story. <laughs> Scorpions, they look like eggs. And God will not, when you ask for eggs, God will not give you the scorpions. This is what the passage is about. About being bold into coming into His presence to understand our relationship as His sons and daughters. God is not our genie who will give us whatever we want. He is not our boss who will give us things that only when we are desperate or give us things only when we are good God is not like that God gives us things even when we are bad He is our Father who will give us things better than those that we ask for so this is our Father He will not give us things that are not good for us it's just like a three year old child coming to his father boldly Ask boldly. God will give us the good things more than what we ask for. Verse 13. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So the thing here I would like to draw your attention in this verse as well is the word ask. It's also in present tense in Greek. You continue to ask. He is our Father. He will surely give us things that are good for us. So, maybe the most important question for tonight you have to ask yourself is, am I his children? If so, why should I be afraid in coming to God? Why should I be afraid in asking for wrong things? God is your Father and He will give the good things to us. And verse 13 says, The Father gives the Holy Spirit. Here in Luke it says Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 7, it says good things. It seems that Luke wants us to know that Holy Spirit is the good thing. It's the most important thing. The best thing you can have in your life. Because with the Holy Spirit, it is God Himself who comes to you. He can give you peace and joy. And we don't have to worry about 
what we drink, how do we live, which job, which job we are in. Because we have God Himself. So that's why Paul says, the spirit that we received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit that you received brought about adoption to your sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Being able to be called God's son is the best thing that we can receive on earth. Let's pray. Abba, Father, how precious it is for us to be called your sons and able to call you Father. We love you so much because you love us first. You sent your only one and only son dying on the cross for us. And through him, we can have access to you. I just pray that tonight, for those people who are treating you as his servant, we'll be able to repent and accept through Jesus Christ this gift of being your son. The assurance that you give us to good things in life always better than we ask for. And Father, we pray that we will have the boldness and diligence, earnest, and that we will be passionate to come to you, to check with you as your children. In Jesus' name I pray all this. Amen.